A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jadikin. How are you? I'm getting through. <laughs> wow, great way to start the show. We're going to have a great show today. It's the morning. It is sunny outside. Mm. Desi's firing up those Patreon shout outs. I'm just vamping here. Oh, yeah. Well, I am opening them up. <laughs> Don't leave me uh, hanging here, Des. So we have a Patreon. Oh, yeah, I could have said that. We have, uh, it's a place you can go and subscribe to get additional content as well as ad-free episodes, access to our Discord. Um, so you get lots of little perks for that and uh, financial support. And there's over 300 episodes up on Patreon. So if you're running out of content or if you think this content, you're like, I, I bet it could be even better. Go to Patreon. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. We'll add a link in the show notes. And you help support the show as well. Yes. So this week, the people who subscribed, we got Kristen, Lee, Melissa, Lori, Tiki, LB, Madeline, Claire, Amy, Denise, Amari, Stephanie, Thrifter, Christy, I'm sorry, Kirsty. Laura Sue, Kira, Linda, Candace, Brooke, Grace, Kendall, Sarah, Tammy, Heather, Michael, Bianca, Mandy, Hannah, another Hannah, Heather B, Ian, uh, Camille, Molly, Adeline, Jennifer, K Candy Babykin, T, Caitlin, Lauren, Rebecca. Um, we also have a special shout out to, I'm so sorry. Kayla, Shayla. Shayla. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was saying Shayla in my head. I was like, I got it. I got to give a shout out to Shayla. Yes. So Shayla, hello. Your friend, um, wanted us to give you a special shout out. Belle. Belle thank you. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't find it. I kept look, saying B. Okay. Look, Shayla's getting the um, coffee still hasn't kicked in yet birthday shout out. This is a belated birthday shout out because we're dumb bitches who uh, get a little frazzled and we um, we forget. Look, we get a lot of emails and I try to clear them out and organize them, but it's an ongoing situation. We want to know <laughs> we want to know what Shayla ate on her birthday. We want to know um if she, we hope she had a great time. We hope she's still celebrating. Just Never celebrate. Stop. Have a birthday month. Do Keep it. Eating cake. We deserve it. Um okay, Whitney, Barbie, Laura, Susan, Connor, Brittany, Jennifer, Sarah, Melissa, Christia, and Evie. Thank you all so much. Thanks, guys. And happy birthday, Shayla. Shayla. Shayla, <laughs> it's your birthday. We hope you had some cake. <laughs> Did you just make that up? Or is yeah. that a real song? No, I just, <laughs> I just made that up. Okay. Anyway, today's episode is a spiritual prequel 
to our Griffith J. Griffith episode. Mm. You do not need to listen to the Griffith J. Griffith episode to enjoy this one. But you should listen to it just because it was a good episode, I think. And I think... I think it does add a little element of fun to this episode. Well, unfortunately for us, I went down a two-hour rabbit hole yesterday. I went on Ancestry.com. I scoured every single newspaper from the 1900s. I could not find any additional information on our elusive lady in red. Oh. This woman... As mentioned in the Griffith J. Griffith episode, was scolded in the courtroom for showing up to every case that defense attorney Earl Rogers tried, eating her little sack lunch and giggling. And I could I could not find any mention of her oh. again. Mm. I might try again someday. Well, if it's that difficult, there probably isn't anything. She's like a candle in the wind. Maybe she's a ghost. She, <laughs> she's an iconic ghost. Yes. And I'm really sad about that. But this story that we're going to tell today, the reason it's connected to the Griffith J. Griffith story is because this woman who was eating her lunch in the courtroom and getting yelled at by the defense attorney was the sister of a main character... In today's episode. Okay. Let's get started. Our story this week takes place in Acton, California. Now, Acton is a small town in Los Angeles County. It sits northeast of the San Fernando Valley near the Antelope Valley. Acton covers just 40 square miles and in 1900 housed a population of just 27 people. Wow. It's very small. Is this by like Palmdale? Kind of. Okay. Uh, yeah, Palmdale's like east of it. Okay. I think. Yeah, I was trying to place it. Yeah, you look it up, you're like, oh, that's where it is. It's I like, mean, it's still a pretty desolate area. It's very desolate. I was looking at geotags of Acton last night on Instagram, and it looks very cowboy. Yeah, it's very dusty up there. It's super dusty, but it's also pretty. It looks like the Old West. There's nice. like lots of mountains and stuff. So in 1900, it housed a population of just 27 people, and two of those people couldn't stand each other. Ooh. 34-year-old William H. Broom and 49-year-old Normal Melrose were... (laughs) That's his name, Desi. They were neighbors with a years-long feud. Mm. That feud would reach a boiling point when one of them would wind up dead. (sighs) Broom was originally from Brooklyn... And in 1900, he settled in Acton with his wife and three children. At the time, he was working as a telegraph operator for Southern Pacific. In the wee morning hours of December 15, 1900, Broom was riding his horse to work when a man named Matthias Bauer, also on horseback, ordered him to stop his horse. Matthias, a man in his 60s, had beef with Broom. Mm. Broom ignored him, and Bauer fired his shotgun at Broom, sending the bullet flying over his horse. Broom sped up to the telegraph office as Bauer chased after him. He pounded on the door, but the night shift worker, T.L. Wilson, wouldn't let him in. Wow. Wilson didn't like Broom. Yeah. He's like, I don't care you're being shot at. Yeah, your horse is ninnying. (laughs) 
<laughs> whatever it's called. Ninnying. Yeah, they're going. Neighing. Winnie. Winnie. See, I was doing a ninny as a nay wet Winnie. And I, I had it. So this guy, T.L. Wilson, sees Broom pounding on the door, like, let me in, someone's trying to shoot me. And T.L. Wilson's doing that, like, pretend, I can't hear you. What? Like, mouthing, I'm sorry, I can't hear yeah. you. Wilson didn't like Broom. Like I said, they had some kind of workplace drama. Broom did manage to escape unscathed, and the assailant, Matthias Bauer, was charged with attempted murder. Wow. At the trial, the defense claimed that Bauer was trying to shoot a coyote, but the jury didn't buy it, and he was found guilty and sentenced to 150 days in jail. <gasps> that's not bad. For trying to kill someone? Yeah. Yeah, that's not too bad. The following year, Broom got into Los Angeles's booming oil business. Ooh. The LA Times reported that Broom secured a claim of 20,000 acres of oil fields in and around Acton. Oil! <laughs> People are hungry for oil in Love L.A. at this time. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I, I've read, I have a book on this because I've thought of doing a case. We want to do this per, one particular story, but it's a lot of research and one day we will bring it to you. So Broom and his associates form the Actinoma Oil and Mineral Development Company. In July of 1901, William H. Broom accused his neighbor, Normal Melrose, of mm. shooting and killing his dog. Whoa. So this is the first, this is where it starts. Yeah. This is where the feud starts. Now, Melrose was born in Illinois in 1854 and grew up in Iowa. He moved to Los Angeles with his wife in 1887 and settled in Acton. He became involved in local government, serving as Acton's Justice of the Peace in 1890. He also served as a delegate for the Republican County Convention as well. In 1901, Melrose became postmaster. That same year, he would make the papers for killing his neighbor's dog. This is what happens when there's only 20 people in your town. You, one guy can be all the different roles, <laughs> like in the government. Yeah, and you can get annoyed with people really easily. Yeah. Broom pressed charges against Melrose. According to the Los Angeles Evening Post, Melrose was driving by Broom's house with his little dog. So he's driving by his house in his buggy with his own dog. Yeah. When Broom's dog, a Great Dane, Whoa. ran out and attacked Melrose and his little dog. Marmaduke. No. Marmaduke <laughs> attacked Melrose and his dog. Okay. This, this, this is sad. The small dog was killed. Whoa. And Melrose was left badly bitten on his arms and legs. Now, this dog is mentioned a lot in the newspapers regarding this case, and it changes from a Great Dane to a Mastiff to a St. Bernard. All big dogs, though. He's a big boy. Yeah. So what... When did he kill the dog? In that moment? No. Okay. So Melrose gets fucked up by this big dog. And later he returned to Broom's house and found the Great Dane playing in the yard with Broom's five-year-old son. <gasps> Broom's son was riding on this Mastiff's <laughs> or Great Dane's back. <laughs> the dream. That's when Melrose proceeded to shoot the dog in the head. While the kid was on it? While the kid was riding the dog. <laughs> okay. That's extra. That's really sick. I mean, to do it in front of the kid, period. 
Or even to do it, period. To do right? it, period's fucked up. To do it in front of the kids, extra fucked up. And to do it while the <laughs> kid's riding around on it like a horsey is like beyond. That's war. That's war. Yeah. Also, that dog probably would have been killed anyhow, right? By the state? By the state. I mean, I'm just thinking sometimes if they attack people, Ugh. those dogs get captured, right? It's really sad all around. This was just the beginning of the feud. That November, a committee was formed to erect a statue of recently deceased Senator Stephen M. White at the Los Angeles County Courthouse. Normal Melrose wrote a letter to the Board of Supervisors saying that the people of Acton opposed this statue. This letter prompted William Broom to write his own letter saying Melrose is wrong. The people of Acton did not oppose this statue. We (laughs) want this statue. And then he said Melrose was a liar. He said, quote, We have not come across a person Melrose even consulted about the subject and hope the Honorable Board of Supervisors will kindly put it down as another of the numerous fairy tales of which Melrose is guilty. Wow. This assertion made by Broom that Melrose was a liar made him furious. About a week later, when Broom went to the post office to pick up his mail, he approached the window and said, Anything for me? Postmaster Melrose replied, here's something for you. Oh, no. And then punched Broom in the eye. He asked. (laughs) (laughs) Broom fell back, and Melrose then peered out of the little window, and that's when Melrose popped up and punched him in the nose. Oh, my God. These guys are punching each other through that post office window. (laughs) I love it. Broom claimed that Melrose beat him over the head with a blunt object. He said that he tried to fight back, but Melrose's wife, Flossie, reached her hand through the window and grabbed one of Broom's arms, rendering him helpless. Flossie? I stay flossing <laughs> in my candy paint. Flossie, she got involved. She, <laughs> Flossie was, yeah. She must be strong woman to hold a man by his arm and he's rendered helpless. She <laughs> She fucked him up. She's like, go get him, Melrose. (laughs) I got his arm. Basically, a crowd formed. Ooh. I mean, if there was like a fist fight happening at the post office, that'd be super exciting. So all 27 residents (laughs) were there. (laughs) Like a crowd. What was it? Four people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Melrose dropped the blunt object at this point, and he began beating Broom with his fists. So Mm. Broom is getting fucked up. Flossie restrained Broom while her husband wailed on him. Broom was taken to the hospital to treat his eyes, which had been badly fucked up in the fight, and they might require surgery. Shit. Melrose said the fight happened differently. Mm. He claimed that Broom attacked him first and that their fight ended up on the street, and he denied his wife had any part of it. Leave Flossie out of it. <laughs> she's a beautiful woman. She's a, she's a handsome woman. She's, you know Flossie's handsome. Oh, she is. I, I, I'll post a picture of Flossie. Um, but he didn't want his wife getting in trouble. He's no. a wife guy. Yeah. Broom wanted Mr. and Mr. Mrs. Melrose arrested, mm. but the district attorney declined to press or to file charges. He's like, I'm sick of this shit. He literally was over it. Yeah. He's like, you guys are you guys are grown men who got into a fight at the post office. Yeah. This is embarrassing for the town. The following year, Broom sued Melrose for libel. 
he sought $75,000 worth in damages after Melrose wrote a pair of letters to Broom's business associates calling him a scammer and saying that his oil company was fraudulent. (gasps) Broom also believed that Melrose had been tampering with his mail at the post office because he was the postmaster. He's like steaming those envelopes open. <laughs> and hanging them, <laughs> hanging them on a clothesline. <laughs> Reading everything. <laughs> God damn it. I'm, I'm going to use this information. He's a scammer. <laughs> Broom lost this libel suit. And it only further deepened his ire towards Melrose. Just days after the judge declared that there was no libel done, the men made the paper again. Broom's son hurled a rock through the window of Melrose's house. Uh-oh. So he's getting the son involved now. The one on the dog? And no. he's like, that's for shooting me, <laughs> shooting the dog when I was on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he has a legitimate beef. This is a different son. <laughs> okay. This is the older son, but he's still, he's like 11. He's like, I, I was too big to ride the dog, but it could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> Melrose had Broom's son arrested and charged with malicious mischief. Again, he's like 11. Broom had to go to Lancaster, which is where like the the police station was, to bail out his son. In a surprising turn of events, Melrose had the charges against Broom's son dropped. And here's why. He told the LA Times that the judge had ordered a change of venue for the trial, and he believed that this move was not in the interest of justice at all, but instead to cause a strain on the witnesses of the case. He's like, he wants to move the, this trial far away. No, no one wants to drive in their buggy yeah. that far away. Hmm. This, is, this is a conspiracy. He, he alluded to collusion between Broom and the prosecutor. He's like, deep state. <laughs> he, really, he really thought the deep state was up, up hmm. to something. But perhaps Melrose had his own plans for justice. It was 5 p.m. on January 20th, 1903, when William Broom returned home from a day of shooting pigeons with friends. Hmm. Normal Melrose spent the day repairing a windmill and was headed home with his tools in his wheelbarrow. He saw Broom standing in the yard of the Acton Hotel holding his shotgun. Melrose came up from behind Broom and bumped into him with his wheelbarrow. According to Melrose, (laughs) Broom drew his shotgun and said, You dirty coward, I have a notion to blow your head off. Melrose said he attempted to move past Broom, but Broom blocked him. Melrose continued pushing his wheelbarrow and made it past him on their street. Both men were now out on the street outside their houses. Broom put his gun down and took off his coat and said, let's fight. (gasps) Melrose said that he attempted to push his wheelbarrow in front of the shotgun, but Broom dashed toward the gun and grabbed it. He said both men were wrestling for the weapon when it went off. The bullet missed, but Broom got a hold of the gun and pointed it at Melrose. Melrose then drew his revolver and shot a bullet into the street hoping to scare off Broom. Broom wouldn't back down, so Melrose shot him in the head. According to Melrose, Broom fell on the street and exclaimed, The blank blank is trying to kill me, but I'll kill him first. Famous last words. (laughs) Broom then died. Broom left behind a wife and three children. 
The family had just bought a new home in downtown LA and had planned on moving there. Mm. Following the shooting, Melrose drove his buggy to Lancaster to turn himself in. His wife, Flossie, accompanied him to the police station. The Los Angeles Evening Express dubbed Normal Melrose the Terror of Acton. The paper reported that many citizens of Acton were afraid to testify at the coroner's inquest. There was talk about Melrose killing a man in Iowa, which was true, but it was deemed lawful as it was done while assisting a constable in making an arrest. There was gossip that Melrose had killed his own sister. He claimed an indigenous person had done it. The alleged killer was never found. The six witnesses who did testify believed that this shooting was not done in self-defense, as Melrose had claimed, but was deliberate. Witnesses claimed that Melrose had not only shot Broom, but had beaten him too. One witness claimed that after Broom was dead, Melrose picked up the shotgun and pointed it at him. The autopsy poked holes, literally, in Melrose's defense when it was determined that a total of four bullets had been fired into Broom's body. One bullet grazed the back of Broom's head, leaving a flesh wound. Another bullet was shot through the dick. Whoa. Or groin. Whatever. It's the dick. (laughs) It's the dick. The other two bullets entered the chest and arm. This This is the initial reporting. Now... The determination of the bullets and the bullet wounds is going to change and morph over time. Okay. This was not a very professional medical examiner's office. Well, it was just like one of the residents. Yeah, it was just a guy. guy, He's like, I'll do it. Yeah. (laughs) It was just some guy. We don't even know if he had a medical license. Yeah. But this is the initial reporting. Following the inquest, Melrose was transferred to the L.A. County Jail. We're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be right back. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals, and during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th, Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. 
I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Melrose hired defense attorney Earl Rogers. This is the same defense attorney who defended Griffith, Jay Griffith, in his attempted murder case. Okay. District attorney Fredericks was shocked when nearly a month later, Judge Smith allowed Melrose to be released on $10,000 bail. Fredericks said, I've never heard of a case where a man was admitted to bail without consulting the district attorney first. The Los Angeles Evening Express reported that the residents of Acton were terrified to learn of Melrose's release. One of the witnesses at the preliminary hearing, Ira Hauser, moved his family out of Acton when Melrose came back. Ira, who was described as a, quote, big, powerfully built German man, Mm. was quoted as saying, Acton has grown too small to hold Melrose and myself. I don't want to get into trouble, and I know that if I continue to live here, I'm either going to break every limb in that man, eat him, or go into his store one day with a shotgun and blow his head to pieces. Or all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Eat him? Why did he say eat Now it's like he inadvertently revealed a sick fantasy of his. Right? We need to investigate this guy. I should do some investigation on this big, powerfully built German man. <laughs> Who likes to eat human flesh? <laughs> Sounds like a killer. <laughs> eat, excuse me? What, beat him. Beat, be, be, beat him. I'm going to beat him. Ira Hauser's beef with Melrose dated before the shooting of William Broom. He already didn't like this guy. Mm. He explained that he once had some business dealings with him, and he said that Melrose was rude to his wife. Wow. The Los Angeles Evening Express continued saying that the district attorney's office said that they were told that Melrose beat up an old man in the neighborhood. So there's all this reporting happening as soon as Melrose gets let out about all the gossip about him in town. Yeah. Like, everyone's coming forward. Everyone's spilling shit. And this is 1903. And as we discussed, Newspaper articles were just like wild. Like, where was the journalistic integrity? No, they'll take anything. They will take any story and be like, well, we heard, so we're going to print it. Yeah. There's no source here. People are just saying stuff and the paper's printing it. So the Los Angeles Evening Express says that uh, allegedly, I don't even think they use the word allegedly. (laughs) They're like, Melrose apparently beat up an old man in the neighborhood. 
The old man's cow apparently died on Melrose's property after eating a poisonous plant, and the old man asked if Melrose could bury it. Melrose replied, Bury it yourself, you blank. I'll bury you. (laughs) (laughs) Melrose then allegedly slapped and kicked this old man. Not (laughs) It's so over the top. It's pretty over the top. I like that he's an old man too, right? Yeah. They're like a poor, withered old man. Excuse me, can you bury my cow? (laughs) (laughs) Bury yourself, you dick. (laughs) Just like, okay. Defense attorney Earl Rogers pushed back against these claims made by the Los Angeles Evening Express. He stated that the claims of Acton residents running around scared of his clients client were not only false, but part of a conspiracy to build him up as some kind of monster. Rogers said that Ira Hauser moved away before Melrose was granted bail, and that his statements were driven by his own personal resentments against Mm -hmm. him. Rogers continued that at trial, he would prove that his client shot Broom in self-defense, and that the assertions made by witnesses that Melrose viciously murdered Broom were bullshit and motivated by their own previous beefs with him. The trial began in April of 1903. An eyewitness named August Schult called Normal Melrose the worstest man in the world (sighs) during the coroner's inquest. Now, this guy, August Schult, at first he's described as a German man, but later he's described as a Swede. Mm. They can't decide. They're like, we... Something. We know he's... <laughs> something, something from up there. <laughs> something from up there. He's got one of those funny accents. And they... The LA Times writes his testimony, like, they spell it phonetically, like, for his accent. Oh, my God. So, we'll we'll quote some of what they wrote. Okay. They, they did... They were really... They did not give a shit. And they remarked several <laughs> times. They're like, his... Funny accent on the stand when he was testifying. His silly little German Swedish accent. We, we gotta show you what we mean. <laughs> we got, guys, you won't believe this. You won't believe what this guy August Schultz said. So August said that he saw Melrose shoot Broom, sending him onto the ground, and then he saw it. Melrose shoot Broom three more times. As Broom lay dying in the street, Melrose kicked him. At the trial, the defense asked Schultz if August was drunk when he witnessed this. In their coverage of this testimony, like I said, the Los Angeles Times mimicked Schultz's German accent. He told the courtroom that he wasn't drunk, quote, before the shooting. <laughs> <laughs> But after the shooting, I was drinking pretty heavy. (laughs) (laughs) The defense asked Schultz why his testimony between the coroner's inquest till now had changed. Schultz couldn't provide an answer. I was drinking. (laughs) I was drinking, was drinking heavy. The defense sought to prove that Melrose was the victim of a conspiracy, claiming everyone from the medical examiner to Acton's residents were exaggerating the facts of the case to show that Melrose didn't kill Broom in self-defense. Defense attorney Rogers believed that the medical examiner lied about the number of bullets found in Broom's body. He wanted to raise doubt 
as to whether some of the wounds were caused by bullets or fists. So he Fist. was, or ob, like a sharp ob, some kind okay. of blunt object. He literally um, punched a hole. <laughs> That's strong. Well, he's claiming that the medical examiner is like claimed some wound was a bullet wound. When it was just a cut or something. Some kind of open, open gash. Gash. <laughs> some kind of like, ugh. Yeah. Selma Swanson, who, by the way, had to tell the courtroom, I am not a Swedish barmaid. I mean, the name. She was referred <laughs> She was referred to as a Swedish barmaid, and she correct them. She's like, don't call me a Swedish barmaid. Yeah. I am Selma Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> she owned the Acton Hotel, and she testified that Broom had lunch at the hotel before he was killed. He then went to shoot pigeons outside. She said that she witnessed the shooting from the back gate of her hotel. She said she didn't witness any wrestling over this gun and that Melrose drew his revolver at Broom and Broom backed away. And as Broom hurried away, she said that Melrose shot him in the back of the head with his revolver. (gasps) So not a fair fight. Right. Not self-defense either. That's what, the, that's what Selma Swanson is claiming. While Broom was on the ground, she said, Melrose fired three more shots into him and then began kicking him and beating him with his revolver. Whoa. Swanson said that she cried out for Melrose to stop. He turned around, looked at her, and resumed the beating. Swanson says that she yelled for her husband, and when he came outside, Melrose pointed the gun at him and said, No interference here. She said afterward, Melrose took Broom's shotgun, put it in his wheelbarrow, and walked away calmly. Mr. Swanson rushed over to Broom and carried him into the hotel where he died 25 minutes later. Mr. Swanson also witnessed the confrontation and the shooting, and he echoed his wife's testimony. On cross, the defense asked if it was possible that Broom backed into Melrose's wheelbarrow. They're like, maybe he didn't bump him. He's just innocently pushing his wheelbarrow. And broom backed into it. (laughs) Ira Hauser testified to witnessing part of the shooting from his kitchen window. After the first shot rang out, he ran to the window where he said he saw Melrose standing over broom and shooting him three more times. (gasps) The defense sought to prove that Melrose had been persecuted by the town of Acton. In his opening statements, defense attorney Rogers said that the graves of his family had been desecrated, his cattle poisoned, and his trees cut down. He said that Broom had previously threatened Melrose with a sawed-off shotgun. He said Melrose didn't shoot Broom because he was running away, but because Broom was running toward the shotgun that he had leaned up against the gate of the Acton Hotel. A witness named Mrs. Kruger had testified to seeing Melrose standing over Broom and shooting him. On cross, Rogers asked her about her relationship to Melrose. This was to establish her previously held animosity toward him. She admitted that she didn't like Melrose because she had, he had caused her to lose her saloon license. <gasps> Nelson Newton testified to talking to Melrose before the shooting. Melrose was shit-talking Broom. He didn't see the shooting, but he did hear Broom yelling at Melrose that day. Captain Jay Cummings, who worked for the United States Land Office, testified for the defense. He said that during a conversation with Broom about oil lands, 
Broom said that if he killed Melrose, he would make a lot of money. Mm. A local Acton miner named T.J. Schaefer also testified to hearing Broom making threats against Melrose. Schaefer told Melrose that Broom said he was going to buy a shotgun and kill him. John Henry, a friend of Melrose's, also testified to hearing Broom making threats against Melrose. Broom was shit-talking Melrose to this guy while they were hanging out at the detective's office one day. Mm. The detective, A.W. March, heard them shit-talking Melrose, and he said, Hey, you can't abuse Melrose in this office. Not on my watch. (laughs) John Henry went to Melrose and told him to get out of town because Broom wanted to kill him. When March testified, he told the court that he went with Melrose to pick out the revolver for self-defense. The same revolver would later be used in the shooting. Another Acton resident, Mrs. Louise Gorman, said that Broom approached her one day and said, Don't be surprised to pick up the paper one day and see that I killed Melrose. This was after Melrose shot Broom's dog. He said to Mrs. Gorman, I'll kill that blank, blank, blank the first chance I get. I mean, not smart. We got to fill in the blanks for a lot of these blanks because there's a lot of them in this story. Yeah. Local forest ranger Cyrus Pruden told the court that shortly after the two men got into the fist fight at the post office, he was talking to Melrose out on the street when Broom rode by in his buggy with his wife and kid. He said that Broom shouted at Melrose, Well, Melrose, you will have to try this over again. Maybe the next time you will give me a fair fight first. The next time I'll fix you. (laughs) <laughs> and then he galloped off. <laughs> you can't even speed off. You're in a buggy. You're in a you fucking buggy. yell that out, and then you have to go, giddy up. <laughs> <laughs> What's honestly really embarrassing about this to me is that his wife and kid were in the buggy with him. She's probably like rolling her eyes so hard. She's like, probably humiliated. Shut the fuck up. Melrose shouted back, maybe you had better try it now. Broom started to get out of the buggy, but his wife grabbed him and (laughs) pushed him back in. She's sick of his shit. She's so sick of it. As the brooms rode off, Melrose said to his friend, he knew very well his wife would hold him in. (laughs) Like how these quotes are so formally written. (laughs) Like, (laughs) he knew very well his wife... (laughs) That's how people talked in 1903. I know, but it's like, their, it's like their version of what he said. Yeah. It's just funny. It sounds like dialogue from an old movie or something. It's so ridiculous. A young man who worked with Broom named Paul testified that Broom carried his sawed-off shotgun with him wherever he went. Broom one time accused Paul of laughing at him. And Broom suddenly snapped into a rage and he said... You're another Melrose, and I'll get the two of you yet. Oh, my God. Broom then hit Paul. (gasps) The two started fighting, and at some point during the fight, Paul managed to knock Broom's lit cigar down his mouth. What? I guess when they started fighting, Broom was smoking a cigar. Did you ever inhale an ash? Of course. (laughs) It's so awful. (laughs) It's horrible. Paul was able to escape after that. One night after the fight, Paul said that he found the tires of his bicycle slashed. (gasps) Feeling uneasy, he turned around, 
but said that he could see Broom lurking in the bushes <laughs> with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> what a nightmare. I mean, this guy Broom is like so paranoid and so enraged about Melrose. Yeah. He's going all over town accusing people of like conspiring with yeah. Melrose to make fun of him or whatever. <laughs> Paul's mom also testified that Broom came into her store and demanded that she write him a handwritten apology. She was like, why? (laughs) And then he started ranting about Melrose. My God. A woman named Pearl testified that one night while she was waiting for the train, Broom approached her and showed her his gun and said, I carry this for Mr. Melrose. (laughs) (laughs) Just FYI. (laughs) But is he just literally walking around town? Yeah. It's so crazy. And he said, I carry this for Mr. Melrose, and Melrose carries one for me. (laughs) Nice to meet you. (laughs) (laughs) A local teacher named Lillian Plato said that she saw the shooting through her binoculars. So she... (laughs) she, (laughs) Nosy old bitty. So she's a nosy old bitch. Just like, you know, sweeping... Her binoculars around, yeah. panning around side to side. And then she's like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> finally. <laughs> like the dream of a nosy old bitch. Something To good. finally see something. She said that Melrose did not shoot Broom from behind. But while they were in the middle of their struggle. And that it was actually Broom who fired the first shot. She was challenged by the prosecution during cross-examination. And when Deputy District Attorney McComas said, quote, isn't it true that you told your friend the next day at the schoolhouse how you didn't know anything about this trouble until the next day when you heard it from the boys at school? Oh. So he's like, you didn't see this. You just heard about it. Yeah. She denied this. Melrose's wife, Flossie, testified (sighs) to Broom's threats to her husband. Mm. She said that Broom poisoned their animals She also said that Broom brandished his shotgun while she was out shopping at a store with her husband. At one point, she said, Broom even told her that he would kill her husband the first chance he got. Hmm. Melrose took the stand in his own defense. The Los Angeles Times said that he looked haggard and worn, but he was an excellent witness. Melrose told of how Broom's dog bit him, and so he shot it. Following that incident, he said, his own pets were poisoned. <gasps> he said that, the, that he suspected Broom's son, Guy, was responsible for cutting down his trees. He said that Broom and his son would ride up and down the streets together with a shotgun and whistle in a creepy, threatening manner. Omar's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Melrose said that he had seen Broom lurking outside of his house with his shotgun. That day, he went to Hoagie's Sporting Goods. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And he bought a revolver. Melrose recounted other instances in which Broom threateningly made him aware of his shotgun. Like, he basically walked past him and sort of, like, pat his shotgun. Yeah. Or be like, hmm, what's, what do we have here? Shotgun, sawed-off shotgun. Mm. (laughs) Next, Melrose explained how he was responsible for getting a local saloon shut down, saying that the witnesses who testified for the prosecution, they were mad about that. And that's why they were testifying against him. 
Do we know why he got it shut down? I don't know. He was involved in local politics. Oh, I see. So they had some health code violations. They had some health code. I mean, to get a health code violation in 1983, I mean, 1903. Yeah. It must have been pretty bad. You're literally like, here's a maggot burger. Yeah. (laughs) You can't do that. There's like a (laughs) severed head floating in the soup. (laughs) When you open up the pot of beans, a head pops. They're like, okay, okay, shut this place down. Shut You're this place. getting a C rating. <laughs> Melrose then described the day of the shooting. He said he was heading home with his wheelbarrow when he came across Broom. Broom said to him, don't you run into me, you blank, 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 blank. Ooh. That's six blanks. You fucking motherfucker. <laughs> shit, shit cocksucker. <laughs> rootin' tootin'. Yeah, there's a, there's a rootin' tootin' in there. <laughs> there's absolutely a rootin' tootin' in there. As Melrose made his way past Broom, he heard him shout for, like, someone get me my gun. Because mm. Melrose is trying to walk away from this situation, but Broom wants to fight. Yeah. Then, he said, Broom pointed his shotgun at, gun at him and said, your wife is a blank, blank, blank. <laughs> <laughs> now, I thought about this, and I think he said cocksucking whore. Ooh, yeah. That's three blanks. I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> Melrose described how Broom continued cussing him out as he made his way past Broom through the hotel gate and out onto the street by their houses. Broom then shouted, You blank, 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 you've got to fight me. That's when Melrose grabbed his gun and shot. I shot once and I will never forget the look of surprise on his face, he told the courtroom. (laughs) Broom got a hold of his shotgun and Melrose said that he grabbed the barrel of the shotgun. That's when the struggle ensued. Mm. The gun went off in the struggle. Then Melrose said he fired his revolver and Broom shouted, you shot me. Mm. He, he, he had the surprise of his life. I love that he had this look of surprise when he finally got shot. Yeah. <laughs> Just like. Because he wants a fight. It's like that meme about the, the guy who got stabbed. What are you going to do? Stab me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it really is that. So. Melrose said he fired his revolver and Broom was like, you shot me. Melrose said that he struck Broom with the butt of his gun on Broom's head. He could not say how many shots he fired, but he swore that he did not fire any shots while Broom was on the ground. After Broom lay on the ground dying, Melrose said he picked up the shotgun and the revolver and went inside his home. Soon after, Melrose and his wife took the weapons to the police station in Lancaster and turned himself in. Mm. A witness for the defense named Z.T. Davidson testified that he found evidence of a gun wad from a shotgun near the scene, suggesting that Broom did in fact fire his weapon at some point during that fight. Right. But the jury could not reach a verdict. Four voted, voted guilty and eight for acquittal. So a new trial was ordered. (gasps) While Melrose awaited his second trial, the Los Angeles Times reported that the entire town of Acton was on edge. The Times said of the townspeople, quote, 
They claim that Melrose parades around the terrified streets of Acton carrying a Winchester rifle and a revolver, and that his saddle, when he rides, is hung with a fringe of weapons, that he has an evil glitter in his eye and drinks gunpowder tea. Whoa. Everyone who testified against him is said to be greeted with a look that sends shudders tobogganing down their spines. Tobogganing? When... (laughs) When he passes, they put the babies under the bed and hide in the cyclone shed cellars. <laughs> the babies. Leave the baby under the bed. You go into a big safe safer spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like why not take the baby? <laughs> I mean, like we said before, these newspapers, they don't care about they they didn't care about facts at this time. No. And they, someone was just like, ooh, tobogganing. I love that. That's a good just- <laughs> Descriptive word. Tobog- tobog- Do people still toboggan? <laughs> Such an old school. <laughs> the Los Angeles Evening Express reported that the town of Acton had become divided. You were you were either Team Melrose or Team Broom. Mm. They had those little shirts from Kitson made up. <laughs> the original Angelina and Jennifer. Yeah. Right? This paper echoed much of the same sentiment as the Times that people were afraid of Melrose, while also describing him like some sort of outlaw cowboy. I mean, they really put their whole pussies into this descriptive writing. Yeah, to dis- he's a rugged, he's a rugged loner yeah. standing amongst the cacti of Acton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in June, the body of William Broom was exhumed. <gasps> To determine if a bullet hole had struck the back of his head. Now, you would think that that would have been determined in the initial yeah. autopsy. Absolutely. But for some reason, it, it wasn't determined hard enough. No. The, this exhumation was ordered by Broom's wife. The problem was that the body was badly decomposed. Yeah. You can imagine a bunch of people in, in 1903 acting, trying to like, preserve this body yeah in this little town this thing stinks to high heaven it is like pretty gross looking they're like he got shot by a hundred bullets it looks like (laughs) (laughs) the body was not transferred to a morgue to be re-examined no broom's body was taken to a nearby vault in the cemetery where they cut off the head and cracked it open to take a look inside wow There was no indication that a bullet had entered the skull. Defense attorney Earl Rogers, who was at the cemetery, said that when they dug up the body, the lid of the coffin looked loose, as if it had been tampered with. He also said that the cloth inside of the coffin appeared to have been torn. I mean, they probably didn't do a good job burying him either. (laughs) Or he came back from the dead. They didn't think of that. Or they, he wasn't dead, and he was clawing his way out. Oh, yeah. I bet you that happened a lot back then. <laughs> <laughs> didn't they used to have like little bells in coffins? Yes, so that if they were buried alive accidentally, they yeah. could like, respond to people or let people know. But like the grave, the graveyard guy is just like honk, <sighs> honk, shoo-shooing next, next, nearby. He's asleep. He can't hear that bell. Or he just is like, I ain't fucking digging I, did you, <laughs> it's hard it sounds like a bell but yeah. i don't think it's a yeah. bell the los angeles post record said murdered man's head cut off and skull examined for indication of bullets course for nothing yeah 
wife is they were like the wife is devastated that they had to desecrate his body again crack his head open like a coconut (laughs) (laughs) not even in a medical office no just at the graveyard just break it in half (laughs) give it a little chop (laughs) (laughs) the second trial began the next month in july the prosecution's first witness was the medical examiner dr anderson who would perform the autopsy the day after broom died It was his opinion that the two wounds found on the skull were from a bullet entering and exiting. He said that the bullet wounds to the abdomen and to the right side were fatal, not the head. On cross, defense attorney Rogers displayed the bloody clothes that Broom was wearing that day. He wanted to show the court that Broom was not shot from the back. Rogers also displayed an unexplained hole in the back of Broom's shirt. The Times suspected that Rogers entered this into evidence to suggest that the hole had been made between the first trial and the second trial in an attempt to make it appear that Broom had been shot in the back. He asked Dr. Anderson to show him on his body where this hole on the clothing would match up with the wounds found on Broom the day of the medical examination. Dr. Anderson said he didn't recall any wound that would have matched the hole in the back of the shirt. Rogers also showed the court the revolver that Melrose used in the shooting. The trigger guard was bent. Rogers asserted that it had become bent from when Melrose struck Broom in the head with it, and that that's what the head wounds were from, not from a bullet. They Mm -hmm. were from him being struck with with the gun. Uh, In other words, these wounds occurred during the scuffle. Right. He wasn't shot in cold blood from the back. Right. The prosecution brought out many of the same witnesses from the first trial who testified as they had before. The defense sought to prove that these witnesses didn't even see what they saw. One piece of evidence that had been filed for the first trial but wasn't used was a tree that the defense said would have obstructed the view of the witnesses. Now, this was a 12-foot cottonwood tree, and it was cut down and put in the basement of the courthouse where where it would remain what until the second trial <sighs> this is crazy to me that they cut down a tree and entered it into evidence <laughs> instead of just taking a picture can they take a sepia toned <laughs> lithograph or whatever <laughs> they cut down a 12 foot cottonwood tree that's they, so crazy they wrapped it up in canvas and they stored it in the basement of the courthouse and they didn't even use it in the first trial. So they're like, well, we got to use it at the, during the second trial. They brought it in? So the court- <laughs> they brought it into the courthouse. They brought the, They had to get like three courthouse employees to oh lug this God. tree up three flights of stairs. This is so stupid. And then the tree presumably was just like <laughs> leaned up against a wall in the courthouse. Oh, my God. Oh, and they didn't even use it the second time either. Oh, my God. In the closing arguments, defense attorney Rogers said that Melrose did what anyone else would have done if someone was following them in the street, threatening them, and hurling vile words at them. Rogers added that the prosecution's claim that Melrose shot Broom in the back of the head fell flat when it couldn't be determined that there were any bullet holes in his head. He then accused the district attorney... Oh, this is crazy. He accused the district attorney's office of digging up the body in the middle of the night so that they could make their own bullet holes in Broom's head. (gasps) 
Rogers said that the body was then left out all night to be dealt with the following day, but that their plan was thwarted when counsel for the defense showed up at the cemetery. Rogers mentioned seeing the torn silk lining in the coffin on the day of the exhumation and of how Broom's scalp appeared to have been ripped open and hastily put back together. So he's saying that the prosecution, the district attorney's office, snuck into the cemetery like two days before the exhumation, unearthed his body, I guess realized it was too dark to like make any make any holes in the skull. So like, well, let's just leave him out here all night and we'll come back in the morning. Oh my God. And then they came back in the daytime, but the defense counsel also arrived at the cemetery that day and saw them there. And so they're like, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. And they hid that little ice pick behind their back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the jury deliberated for just 30 minutes. Melrose was found not guilty. Good. I'm on his side. I'm team Melrose too. This broom guy sounds like a real asshole. I believe that this was self-defense. I do too. Because that guy, Broom, he was terrorizing everyone all over town with his little weird comments and like coming up to people. Uh, But I mean, both of them are definitely problematic. Well, when you think about it, Melrose was 49 and Broom was 34. These are two grown-ass men having this little beef, this high school drama with each other. It's super embarrassing. They've brought everyone in the whole town into their little fight. Yeah. And made it everyone else's problem, too. No, it's annoying. It's super embarrassing. I would be... I'm embarrassed for the wives. Well, not... Flossie seems fine with it. (laughs) Flossie stood by her man. She's into it. She's like... So that's also how you can know who's wrong because Broom's wife's embarrassed. Flossie was like, no, I'm I'm here with you. This guy's a lunatic. Yeah. That's and Broom's true. wife is like, I am, this is embarrassing. Stop this. We can't even go into town anymore. Right. Please. I have to, <laughs> I have to tell the whole giddy up. We have to, we have to giddy up out of here. You're blankety blanking all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of it. <laughs> and you're calling Melrose's wife a cocksucking whore. Yeah. I don't appreciate that language, no, that's sir. that's misogynistic. It's very mis. <laughs> we don't have the word misogynistic yet, but that's what that is. It's blankety blank. It's blankety blank, and I don't like it. No. Anyway, we'll post some pictures of these people on our Instagram page. And come see us live in Austin this Tuesday at 7.15 p.m. at the Cap City Comedy Club. Yeah. Tell everyone you know to go to our show. Yes. You can get tickets at Cap City Comedy Club's website, and we will put a link to that in our show notes. Bye. Bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.